This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City, we are on the air talking about the mental side of sports. As you know, I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m., and we explore your mind and sports and relationships and people and how we get along or don't get along in the world of sports. I've been in practice for 43 years. I'm one of the first trained sports psychologists in the country, and I've been fortunate enough to be on the air for 32 years, the last 22 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I love doing this show with you each week because we delve into what goes on psychologically in the world of sports. You know, last week I had Dr. Hillary Cawthon on. She's a sports psychologist down in Austin, Texas. Had a great interview with her. And our shows are podcasted everywhere. And I, I would encourage you, uh, if you're interested in mental health and sports, to listen to the interview with her last week because it was, it was excellent. Uh, a young woman in her, I believe, her 15th year of work now, She's been through a lot of things, and she and I talked about it off the air, and uh, very experienced, very knowledgeable, and knows what she's doing. So a great interview last week. And that brings up the topic I want to get into. Um, if you've listened to me before, you know I talk about all kinds of things on this show, about mindsets, sportsmanship, confidence, focusing, relationships. And I keep reading more and more these days about abusive situations happening in sports. I've had all kinds of guests on this show over the years. Just this past summer, I had Mitch Lyons on, who has an organization back in Boston dealing with abusive coaching. And we've talked about it. He and I have talked about it off the air several times, just how athletes are not looked at from a psychological perspective a lot of the time. Now, let's face it. Most coaches are, are wonderful people, and they're out there with great intentions. But what I'm finding more, more and more these days is we keep hearing about these situations where athletes have had psychological issues, personal problems that they're having trouble dealing with. And, you know, I use the phrase, a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach needs a sports psychologist. I've used that forever because it's true. I've unfortunately had to deal with a number of coaches who, quite frankly, were not the best people I've ever dealt with. 
I've dealt with some coaches who are incredible people. You know, we have all kinds of coaches on this show. I've interviewed many, many great people. This past year I had Rob Thompson on, who's the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, who I've known since he was a catcher at KU back in the 80s when I was KU sports psychologist. I've had Al Saunders on the show several times, one of the best people I've ever met, who was an NFL coach for over 40 years, worked here with the Chiefs a couple of times as the offensive coordinator, was on the Rams team when they won the Super Bowl in St. Louis with Dick Vermeil's head. Coach Dick Vermeil was on last year. You know, we've talked, and there, there's a guy right there, Dick Vermeil, who retired from coaching with the Eagles back in the, I believe it was the late 80s and 90s, uh, because of stress. You know, he worked nonstop. He was working you know, 20 hours a day, wasn't asleep in the office. He finally realized, I can't do this anymore. I've got to take care of myself. You know, I love sports. I've played sports my whole life. I love the atmosphere at sporting events. Of course, here in Kansas City, we're, we're just, we're very lucky. You know, we've had the chief, the Chiefs on, on top of the world here the last few years. You know, the Royals were 10 years ago. Now they're one of the, you know, one of the two worst teams in baseball. But nonetheless, uh, they were good for a while. Sporting KC's been good. University of Kansas basketball team's been awesome. Their football team's on the rise. K-State's football team's been great. So you've had a lot of positive uh, teams going on, a lot of things going on here that have resulted in winning. But when it comes to coaching, when it comes to, I think, dealing with your athletes, understanding them, I think it's important. And I, I, I hear this more and more when I work with people in my office. There, there needs to be better training for coaches when it comes to, I think, the psychological component of athletes. I mean, look, we're all people. We all have feelings. We all have emotions. You know, as you know, for years I've talked on this show about why athletes are people. They need to deal with things, too. I've been privileged to work with Olympians, with professional athletes, college athletes, world champions, national champions, high school, you know, the whole whole range. And... They're people. And so what I want to talk about today, and I'd like to open up our phone lines right off the bat, is <clears throat> what does it take to be a positive coach? And what are, have you ever had a, a bad coach? A bad coach, not in terms of calling plays, but in terms of dealing with the athletes. So if you're a parent, and I get calls all the time from parents who say, listen to this show. If you're a parent, I'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts if you've had your son or daughter's had a great coach or a really bad coach. What was the difference? You know, I've had all kinds of coaches on this show over the years. And high school coaches, college coaches, as I said, professional coaches. And <clears throat> the one thing that I see separates really good coaches from the ones that aren't, is they care about their athletes as people. They're not, yes, they want to win, they want to succeed, but they take an interest in their athletes as people, and they want to know them that way. And I'm finding that the ones that aren't so good, they don't care. You know, we just had a situation a Kansas City and Kara Eaker, who is a gymnast, 
Olympic level gymnast, resigned, retired, I should say, retired from the University of Utah as a gymnast within the last couple months. And her coach, the coach there, was just let go because of, of accusations of negative things happening. It wasn't cl- cl- uh, clearly differentiated what was going on, but the coach was fired. She re- retired because she said the mental abuse, she couldn't take it anymore. So what does it take to really be a good coach psychologically? I think, first of all, you've got to have a grasp with yourself who you are. I think you've got to understand your strengths and weaknesses. And why, why are you coaching? Why are you in it? What's the reason? So I'd like to open up our phone lines so we can get some calls in here. And, and I'd like to hear from you if you're, if you're a parent. What do you see the, the qualities of a coach that you would like to see for your child? And have you had a coach coach your kids that went over the edge, that was verbally abusive, maybe physically abusive? What did you do about it if that situation arose? Our phone number is 913-3810-810. And if you're a coach, let's see if we can get some coaches to call in. You know, I get this all the time. Coaches will see other coaches, hear other coaches, observe other coaches who are abusive. And a lot of the time, they are afraid to confront them because they don't want to get into a fight or an argument. But, you know, why do we play? Why do kids play sports? What do you think they mean? Have fun. Enjoy the experience. Learn, grow, develop. But when you have a coach who puts his or her ego at the top of the list and is focused more on winning and not really caring about the mindset, the mental health of their athletes, it really becomes a negative situation. You know, I've talked about the importance. You know, coaches do go, most coaches, not all of them, go through education and training. But do they go through that in terms of the mental side? They may go through the aspect of it from the perspective of X's and O's, how to call plays. But do they go through it in terms of how they talk to athletes? You know, I always say a a good coach is a good communicator, but a great coach is a good listener. And I think great coaches take the time to understand why. And I don't care if it's a six-year-old soccer team, a high school baseball team, a college football team, or an NFL team. A good coach gets to know their athletes, wants to know why they're there, what their goals are, what what their strengths and weaknesses are, not just physically but mentally. So I think this is something that, you know, when you, when you play sports, you're going to have somebody in charge, and, and you want to know what that person, the, the coach's goals are, what their directions are, what they want to accomplish. You know, we all start... Kids start playing sports at the youth level. The burnout rate, when kids get to 12 and 13, is 70 to 80%. Kids quit. Because we're, we're putting kids, 
you know, we're, we're signing them up for teams at four and five years of age. And I get this all the time. I had two, two young people in my office this past week, high school athletes who in our conversations are like, you know, I just don't really want to play anymore. I'm tired of it. Well, they're, they're really good and they may be able to play in college if they want, but, but this is a male and female athlete. The female athlete is a cross country runner. And the male athlete's a basketball player. And they both told me, they're both high school students, both juniors. Both said, you know, Dr. Jacobs, I'm tired. I'm tired of being yelled at. I'm tired of being told why I'm not running fast enough. I'm tired of being told why I keep missing my shots. I'm tired of being told what's wrong. And I said, well, have you ever thought about talking to your coaches? And both of them, it's, it's interesting, it could have been the same person. No, 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 no. Can't talk to the coach. Gets, 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 she gets, one's a female coach. She gets mad at me. Your coach gets mad at you if you talk to her. Yeah, she doesn't want to hear me complain about stuff. Well, I think you probably need to sit down with her off the court and tell her you need to talk to her and tell her how you're feeling. And this, this young girl looked at me and she's like, she won't listen to me. She's, you know, it's not fun anymore. And and the runner, it's the same thing. So I've seen these issues across the board that I think coaches need to take the time to understand why their athletes are there. So I'd like to hear from you. If, if you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a parent, what mentally are the things that are healthy from a coach's perspective and what are some of the negative things that you've had to deal with if you're a coach do you think coaches should go through some kind of psychological training in terms of understanding things like self-confidence motivation depression fear expectations I happen, of course, this is what I do for a living. I happen to feel very strongly about that. You know, you, you hear athletes talk oftentimes about a coach who left a huge impression on them. Many, many coaches will talk, or athletes talk about it, that positive feedback they got. And how the coach really left a mark on them. Oftentimes, you know, challenging them to get better, but in a constructive, positive way. All right, we're going to open up our phone lines here. I'd like to get some calls in here. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. I'm going to have my producer jump in here, as he always likes to do. The Drake is subbing in for Cavell today. So we're going to get some calls in here. We'll see before Drake jumps in. But I think good coaches, first of all, try to understand who they why, – why are you coaching? What do you want to do as a coach? What do you want to accomplish as a coach? Is it about your ego? Is it about, no, I'm just here to try to help out. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's see what Tony has to say. Tony, good morning. Thanks for calling in. How are you this morning? Hey, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Oh, it's, it's raining. <laughs> it's Other than that, it's all right. <laughs> um, so 
I, I, uh, I'm 45 now, but what you were talking about, um, immediately, I guess I went back to my high school days and I was a pretty decent basketball player. I played baseball also, but, um, basketball is my, my true love. Um, and the varsity coach at our high school, I started out, I, I went to his, uh, team camps in the summer and when I was growing up, like grade school, junior high. And then as I got older, you know, um, I also, like I said, I played baseball in the summertime. And one year we, we were playing in the all-star, uh, summer league. And so the team camp, uh, there was a group of us that had to leave early a couple days because we had to go play baseball. And the coach, the, the head basketball coach, he made a point to talk about how um, baseball is the only sport you can go one for four in and still be successful and compared that to being a basketball player. Basically, like just call, calling us out, like trying to make us feel like crap because we were going to go play another sport and we, we were leaving him. Mm-hmm. How'd that make you feel? And, well, it, it made me resent him, and I didn't want to play for him. And basketball was my true love, and he, I, and I, he ran, I guess he ruined it for you. Uh, yes, basically. But I look back back at it now, also now that I'm older, and I probably shouldn't have let that deter me. But at the time, you know, I was a 15 year old kid, and um, it just. I didn't, I didn't, you know, there, there were other things he did too, verbally that I thought that were wrong. And such as you said, share, I, share with us what he do, what he say? Well, there, so there was one instance, uh, during the team camp in the summer and which was voluntary. You didn't have to be there, but same time, like, yeah, if you don't go, then you're already getting blackballed kind of thing. But, um, I asked a question about where I should be at on a certain play that we were practicing because it was different than what I was norm- I was used to. I said, okay, sh- so should I be over here? And he said, he stopped everything. He said, no, no. Um, I want Chris over there. I like him. Like, he said that verbally, like, out loud. I'm like, what, what does that mean? Like, I just was asking a question about the play, not <laughs> if you like me or like Chris or whoever. Um so there was things like that that happened, and I was like, "Does he even want me around?" You know, it, it, it made me feel like he didn't—he didn't want me to be there. Did you? Did you talk and to your parents about this, Tony? I did. What they say? Well, I—I I mean, my parents were both—they were working full time, and um, I think they were—they were—they didn't really. I guess I, I probably didn't let them understand like how much it was bothering me be honest so they didn't they didn't get involved that much not really no and, and you were 15 16 years old so you're not going to confront the coach because you know he's this authoritative figure well, right right and so my so my freshman year we were 14 and one and i was a starter and then my sophomore year um i was expected I think everyone expected me to try out for varsity, 
or for junior, junior varsity at least. And we had a sophomore basketball team. And so I ended up going to the sophomore practice and not going to the varsity practice that, that day. And so I had one of the other coaches, he came to my classroom at like 10 o'clock in the morning, wanting to know why I didn't go to the varsity tryout. And, and so that, that, that day, later that day, that evening, when we had the sophomore uh, practice, the varsity coach came and talked to me and wanted to know why I wasn't there. And I, I did tell him, you know, I, I spoke to him about what, what had happened. And he told me that, um, he likes me. He likes, he, he likes me all right. And that I was, I was making decisions as a 15 year old that, that were going to affect me for the rest of my life was this, that, that was what he said to me. How does that make you and, feel now? Um, I, I think there's some truth to it, but he didn't do anything to, to scare me to <laughs> want to go to the RC tryout either, I guess. Well, let me ask, know. let me ask this question, Tony, because here you are, you're 45 years of, of age and I very much appreciate you calling and sharing this story with us because you are not alone. I can guarantee you that. Um, did you ever speak to the coach about any of this? Did you ever tell him how it made you feel? Um, that, that day he came came there and, and told me that or said that to me. That was the last time I talked to him. Never. And I, I played my I played my sophomore year, and that was it. I didn't I didn't play again my junior or senior year because of him. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to throw out a couple suggestions to you. Is and you may think these are sort of silly, but I they can work. One is uh, I would write him a letter. And I don't know if he's is he still alive or you don't even know, or do you know? No, he is. He, he's he's retired now, but yeah, he's still alive as far as I know. Well, then I'd write him a letter. Now you don't have to send it, but I'd write him a letter about how he how he affected you, and let him know, because you're 45 years old, sir, and it's still bothering you. Obviously, yeah. you took the time to call the show this morning to share how you're feeling, and. This this is exactly why, in my opinion, I mean, I, look, I give him some credit for coming and talking to you. That was a positive thing. But, you know, this is why coaches need to understand their athletes, what they're about, where they're coming from, what what's going on with them, and and speak to them and hear them. But, see, you're also 15 years old. You're probably scared to death to talk to him, Right. I'm, I'm assuming. Well, I, I, it was, I guess, at the time, I felt like it wouldn't have changed anything if right. I did. Right, But see, that's why, that's why, and maybe it wouldn't have, but at least you would have. You'd feel better if you told him how you felt. Yeah. So my suggestion is write him a letter. You don't have to send it. But I'd get it all down on paper, and you can write it, send it to him, tear it up, throw it away, put it in a drawer, whatever. But get all get all these feelings out and tell him how it's affected you, because he should know. Now, some people are going to say, "Oh, now why are you trying to hurt somebody, an old an old guy?" You know, well, because you know what, you're still hurting, Tony. Or you wouldn't have taken the time to call the show today and share this. Am, am I correct on that? I would say so. Yeah. So I would I would do that. And do you have kids? No. 
Okay. Um, do you have nieces and nephews? Yep. You close to any of them? Uh, not real close, but I I do. One of my nephews, he he plays football. Okay. I mean, I I, I don't know your relationship with him, but I'd probably talk to him, see how he's doing, to see if there's stuff going. You, you know, this is the whole reason we talk about this stuff. This is the reason I'm on the air to try to help people deal with this stuff because it's scary. It's scary when you're 15 years old and you've got this this coach who's authoritative in a lot of ways and is controlling whether you're playing or not playing and how you're playing. And like you said, your parents are working hard. You, you know, you didn't know what to do. That's why it's so important to be able to communicate. And that's why coach, your coach failed you by not getting to know you as a person, what was going on with you. And that's why you're feeling like this now. Do you agree with that? I do. All right. Well, sir, you know, look, got to let you go. We're going to go to our first break here, but I'd really encourage you to do that. And if this bothers you enough, you know, give me a call at my office. I work with people on this stuff all the time. Yeah. I'd be glad to talk to you and help you out if that's the case. But look, Tony, You've got you've got the guts to call up and share this on the air, and I appreciate that, sir. And and think about what I said here, because I think you need to resolve this in your own head, in your heart, and be able to move on from it. Because this guy did you a disservice. He really did, and and I I think it it would help you to try to resolve it in some way. So yeah. so work on that, and if I can be of help to you, sir, please feel free to call me. Okay, thank you. Thank you for calling. Good luck to you. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913-3810-810. You know, that's why I do this show. That's why they've got me on the air here. That's why I've been on the air all these years. Because this stuff goes on all the time. All the damn time. And this man's 45 years old. And he's still hurting because he wasn't treated right. And, you know, he's 15. He doesn't know what to say. He was probably scared to death to say anything to his coach. Coach is an authoritative position. All right, we'll go to our first break here. And I'm going to get Jason to jump in when we come back since I interrupted him with that caller. But 913 is the number. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have you had a coach or your son or daughter have a coach or your grandkids have a coach that didn't treat them properly? Why was that? Or did they have a coach who did treat them properly? What was it about that? Give me a call and let's talk. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're the leader in sports. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City. I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8, as I mentioned earlier, and take calls and talk about different topics on this show. And the reason I do this show is is because of our call from Tony, just uh, called the first segment, that he's holding on to a lot of angst. He's 45 years old, and he's holding on to a lot of angst from his high school basketball coach. So I'd love to hear from you. If you're a parent, 
Do you have a child, son or daughter, who has a coach who look at both extremes? A coach who's treated them great, who's taught them and helped them, guided them, directed them, steered them about different things. Not just about playing their sport, but just about being a person. And then have you had a coach who's the opposite? What I found over the years is the coaches who are all about themselves have ego issues. And their ego becomes more important than anything else. You know, I have a saying, good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about them. It's about the team. But when the coach's ego gets involved, then everything gets out of whack. So I'd like to hear from you. If, if you're if you're a coach, you know, I, I he, meet people all the time. It's funny. I was at dinner the other night. My fa- I'll throw out a, a plug for my favorite restaurant, Red Door Grill in Leewood, Kansas, where I go eat quite a bit. My wife's like, why do you go there? I said, because I love their edam- spicy edamame. It's awesome. In fact, when I go in, they usually know, okay, we'll get the spicy edamame for it because I know I love it. I have lunch there a lot. Anyway, I ran into a, a, a couple there the, the other day when I was having lunch. They've, they've heard the show, and their daughter played sports, and they said, I wish – their daughter's grown now. They said, I wish we'd known you earlier because we got into discussions about coaching. And they said, you know, she had a coach that was abusive, verbally abusive to her, made her quit. Why, why does a coach have to be like that? Okay, to cha- you want to challenge your athletes to get better. You know, we, we live, this, the station is in Johnson County, Kansas. And a lot of people here say a lot of people here are soft. They, they, you know, don't, don't, don't deal with that. Don't, you know, just ignore that. It's okay. You got to deal with stuff. You got to talk about stuff. You've got to confront stuff. And for a teenager, to confront an adult who's coaching them, it's scary. It's a scary situation. If you're a coach, and I'd love to hear from a coach this morning, why do you coach? Why are you out there doing it? Is it about you or is it about the kids you're coaching? 913 is the number. All right, Jason. You've been around the block more than me in this stuff. Although I'm no, I'm a lot older than you, though. Okay, a little bit. Yes, yeah. Okay, thank. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 69 years old next month. It just blows my mind that I'm that old. I, I just as I shared, I, I I have my first granddaughter, or biological. I have step. I have 14 step grandchildren that I came into my life two years ago. But I have my first biological granddaughter was born six weeks ago seven weeks ago and um you know I, I i look at her and i see my her father my son and i know he and his wife are going to do a great job with her as as will my other son should he have kids but you know i, I it, it makes me think back on all the stuff when they grew up and all the and i've shared so much on this show over the years about the stuff they had to put up some of these people that have coached have no business doing it but what have you dealt? You've been around the world in the sports world forever. Tell me your thoughts on what I'm talking about here. You know, I 
I played sports growing up. I was a I was a you know little league baseball kid. I had some great coaches. I had some grumpy coaches. I never really had a a bad coach. I don't think. Um, but more in in my recent memory, my kids who are in college now had you know played sports growing up, and they had some really terrific coaches. And one of the things I remember really admiring about the coaches is neither one of my kids were fantastic athletes. Um, you know, they were role players, but the wait the, isn't David Justice your your no, s- no. baseball player? Okay, no, no, not related to him. Um, but their coaches were always made a point of talking about not the great players on the team, but the team as a whole, and always made my kids feel like their contributions, however small they were, and they were pretty small, were vital. And my kids got a lot out of that, and they eventually decided to not do sports, not because they hated doing them, but because they found other things they loved. My younger son, you know, found a marching band. He loved that. Uh, my older son got into uh, theater stuff, and and for a while was a Civil War reenactor. Um, you know, there's not a lot of not a lot of teenage kids out there being a Civil War reenactor. And I tell you what, some people think travel sports are expensive. You should try those Civil War. <laughs> some of that gear. Oh boy, that gets really pricey. But I know he, nothing. Know, I know nothing about that. But he he loved that stuff. Um, Civil War reenactment. You mean yeah. they, they do they actually have to go out and have yeah. like pretend they're in a shooting? Yeah, shoot, yeah. really. Yeah, he 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 did that all like the through Battle high of Vicksburg and all that yeah, type of he stuff. He did that stuff all through high school. Did uh, did battles all throughout uh, all throughout the region. Uh, would take him down to Arkansas or south of St. Louis, and uh, a couple of battles around here that they would reenact. And um, it was uh, it was he he had a great time. It was some great time to spend with well, him. Well, how, how let me interrupt you here. Mm-hmm. So, how were the instructors with that? The guides, the people in charge. They were really fantastic because they were all you know older people, uh, older guys, uh, older than myself, and they just loved having a younger person interested in what they were interested in. They weren't a Civil War veterans, were they? <laughs> no, they were. They were not Civil War veterans. In fact, um, one of the reasons my son uh, gave it up is we were in um, we were in Arkansas, uh, the Battle of Pea Ridge. And uh, uh, th- th- somebody came over to his camp and said, uh, hey, um, we've got uh, w- some of the uh, 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 Confederate troops, uh, one of the groups, their bus broke down, they're not able to be here. The Confederate needs uh, needs more troops today. And a couple of guys on his team said, oh, okay, I'll grab my spare uniform out of the trunk and I'll come over. And he was like, what? You can't just change sides. And they're like, well, we're actors. We're just pretending. And he was like, no. He was very, very adamant about uh, that he was only going to be on the Union side, which I get it. But, uh, yeah, there, there were some, some really great uh, great guys who made sure that he was involved in, you know, all kinds of credit. Did a lot of recruiting trying to get me to, 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 to join up, too. But uh, I, I was just there because he enjoyed it, and uh, had, he had a great time doing it. But he had but he had. Instructors that were upbeat, positive, very much so, not cr- critical and condescending and rude. Absolutely, absolutely, it's the same thing we're talking about here. Yes, yeah, it, but, it, it coaches. You know, you you use the term coaches a lot because it's sports psychology. But really, what we're talking about are, are mentors, right? And and Guides, it, 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 mentors, teachers, and it. You know, it, it it we're talking about it in the context of, 
context of sports, but it's all all through life and and not just kids. You know, I'm 51 years old. I still have mentors, and you know, I, I still look for ones that are that are positive and and uh, you know aren't. You know, I have, an open, I have an opening next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes throughout all of life. Well, what have you what have you seen or experienced or heard in regards to what I'm talking about here about some of the some of these some of these coaches don't get it? You know, like I, th- I think what happened, you know, they get to like, like, I don't know the Utah gymnastics coach who resigned. Okay, there are accusations of, of you know verbal abuse that have been thrown out there. I don't know if it's true or not. That's just accusation. But Harry Eaker, who is here from Kansas City or Grain Valley, I believe, an Olympian, Olympic level gymnast, retired from gymnastics, and, and her statement was because she couldn't take the abuse anymore. So, what is where is the point? You know. I've, Fran McCaffrey's the uh, Iowa basketball coach. Twice in the last three or four years, he's been gotten he's gotten in trouble for going over the edge of games. He's gone after officials. Last year at a game, he, it, which they end up winning, he stood on the court and stared a, a ref down. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I'm watching this. I, I get the emotion in college basketball; it's intense. But really, what's that? What's that saying when he does that to the eight-year-old uh, Rhinebeck, Iowa basketball coach who sees that and goes, "Well, if Coach McCaffrey can do that, I can do that too." So where do we? You know, and, and people are human. People screw up. I get that. But he's had that it's two or three times. He's done this stuff now. But he still he got fined. I think it was, I believe, it was ten thousand dollars for violating the Big Ten sportsmanship clause one of the things he's done so what what does that show as a guy and he look i'm not saying he isn't a good coach because i was had good teams still there but when you do that type of behavior what's that saying sure and you know i i grew up a huge baseball fan and everybody loves it when the manager comes out and screams at the umpire you know and gets kicked out of the game everybody cheers but you know when you when you take a step back from the baseball game it's not good at all, but yeah, it's 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 a weird place to be because there's some you know the the, the manager there is acting as the fan uh, instead of instead of as a manager and gosh it's kind of it's kind of a weird way to look at it I guess but yeah I mean we're seeing in, you know youth sports has exploded in the last fifteen years it's a multi billion dollar business now and. The one thing that's not out there, I think, that needs to be addressed is the mental health aspect for coaches in terms of their behavior and how they affect kids. And we just had a caller early in the show who's 45 years old who's still still hurting from stuff his high school coach did. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. I'd love to hear from I'd love to hear from a coach and give me his perspective or her perspective on coaching positively or negatively what's good about it what's bad about it and how does that end up affecting the kids you coach 913-3810-810 is the number we're on the leader in sports sports radio 810 whb hello again everyone i am sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs this is the sports psychology hour from our flagship flagship station sports radio 810 whb 
a little tongue twister there. Hope you're enjoying the show today. You know, um, I've been on the air for 32 years here in Kansas City. Last 22 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHBM, my 43rd year of work. And sports psychology has, has exploded. It's, you know, everyone keeps talking about the mental aspect of sports now. I've been talking about it forever. When I started, people told me what I was full of because it's ridiculous. You know, deal with this. I had an athletic director at a local college who, when I talked to him about possibly working there, said, we don't believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft. And he threw his cape over his shoulder and uh, left the meeting. And I was dumbfounded listening to this guy. I'm like, good grief. Um, the mental aspect of sports is a very hot topic now. Everybody's, you know, across the board, teams are required to have mental health professional teams. Not all of them, but a lot of them are required to have mental health professionals available for their athletes. Thank goodness. It's finally happened. Um, not everywhere, but a lot of places. But what I what I see is, you know, if you if you made it to the collegiate level, I always say this: if you made it to the collegiate level, you survived youth sports. You literally survived youth sports because you were able to get through all the craziness that goes on. I'd still like to hear from a coach, okay, about how you talk to your athletes, and have you ever been around a coach who? was abusive, was negative, was condescending, was insulting on the opposing team or maybe at your school. And what do you do about that? You know, people are afraid to confront that stuff. I've seen it forever. People are afraid to confront a coach who's being negative because they don't want him to get angry at them. But... You know, our one call earlier, I'd still like to hear from you. 913-3810-810 is the number. Tony, who called earlier, is 45 years old. 45 years old and still hurting from stuff his high school coach did to him. Still hurting from it. And that's why I think it's important. First of all, if, you, if, you're, if you're a coach, I think from my perspective, and you can tell me you don't agree, that's fine. But I think it's important you need to look at yourself first. When you go to a game or a practice, first thing I would do, suggest, why am I here? What's my goal today? What do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish with these kids? And when practice is over, are you able to look at yourself and say, I accomplished what I wanted? If you had a, a young girl or boy there who maybe seemed down or depressed, you try to take the time to get to know what's going on with them. I think good coaches have to be a good psychologist, but you you know, you need to understand when you've got an athlete on your team who maybe isn't doing well. Do you get angry at him? Do you cut him down or do you take the time to try to figure out why? You know, obviously there's there's a place where you can go too far with that, but I just think it's important to take the time to try to understand your athletes as people. You know, I've mentioned some of the people I've had on this show before. One is Al Saunders, uh, NFL coach for over 40 years. Al's been on with me two or three times. I've gotten, an, I, I met Al, oh my gosh, back in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. And we've remained friends since. And one of the things I, I loved about him, he's had some, some athletes, some of the NFL players come on the show with him, with me. 
And what they told me about him was, you know, Coach Saunders got to know us as people. He wanted to know about our family, about you know us as, as, as people. I think that's one of the reasons he coached the NFL for over 40 years with a lot of different teams because he was able to get to take the time to know them and let them know him. I realize if you're coaching a six-year-old you know, soccer team, that's a whole different situation. But I think that as, as you move up the ranks and at the high school level, high school coaches have such a huge impact on the mental well-being of their athletes. And I know at, when, when you get to the high school level, winning becomes more important than it was at the middle school level or grade school level. Obviously, it gets more important at the collegiate level than the professional level. But still, it's about development. And I think good coaches take the time to get to understand why are you, why, you know, high school, high school coach, I think, will take the time to understand why are you, why do you want to be on the team? And why do, why do you kids want to be on the teams? Well, they love the sport. They've played it for years. They want to move on, play professionally. Their friends are on the team. Their parents are making them do it. A lot of reasons. So as a coach, it's important, I think, to figure that out, get to understand that. And then that'll help you how you coach them. And let's face it, there, there are some, you know, everybody's out there for a different reason. But in the end, to me, it should be about having fun, enjoying the experience, learning and growing about yourself. And good coaches take the time to do that. So, Jason, let me ask this question. You've been in this business forever. What coach have you heard maybe some of the most positive stuff about? Of all, you know, you've you've been here since the beginning of WHB as a sports station. You've dealt with all these people. You've been around all of the hosts and everything. What coaches do you think you've heard the most positive things about? Uh, probably Andy Reid and Ned Yost, and those are the two that have been super successful, and Peter Vermes. Wonderful things about Peter Vermees. Right. Peter Vermees demands a lot from his players, but he expect he expects that, that, but he also is there for him. And, you know, we hear about Andy Reid from the players, how they talk about that. You know, another coach I have, I have never met is Bill Self, who I don't know, I mean, I'm sure there have been, but I don't really know of any players who have left the KU program to go play somewhere else who badmouthed him, they've all pretty much left because they weren't playing. Because they didn't, you know, they didn't get the opportunity to play because there were better players there. So it's one reason he's still around. That obviously they've won a few championships. But I think the combination of all those things is important. And, and you hear players on the KU team will talk about how Coach Self pushes us, pushes us, pushes us, but after practice he puts his arm around us and tells us how much he cares about us. And so I think those those are some examples of people who, you know, they made it to the very top to the championship level, Super Bowl, NCAA, World Series. But I think a lot of it's about communication. Hope you enjoy what we're talking about today. And I want to encourage anyone who's hurting like Tony, get some help. I don't care if it was 40 years ago, 10 years ago, or last year. If you had a coach that maybe said some things to you or treated you in a way that that bothered you or hurt you, find some ways to deal with that. 
and find ways to move on with it. Tony's been holding that. He said he's 45 years old for 30 years. I really feel bad for him. 30 years of pain with co- a coach that didn't treat him and the way he wanted to be treated and ended up really causing him to quit playing. You know, I think we play sports to have fun, learn about yourself and grow. Yeah, the winning and losing is part of it. But in the end, what do you learn about yourself? That's the key thing to me. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As you know, I've been here 22 years sports radio at 10 WHB and hopefully will be another, I don't know, 22 more. That put me at 91. That'd be, that, that's probably pushing it. But I, I won't, you know, I'm going to do this as long as I can. I hope you enjoy the show. There are a lot of ways you can get a hold of me. My website is winnersunlimited.com. A lot of stuff on there you can look at. My email is drj, Dr. J, at winnersunlimited.com. Love to hear from you. If you have topics or, or issues you'd like me to bring up on the show, I'd like to find out what those are. Be glad to talk about it. If you want to give me a call at my office, the number is 816-561-5556. My email is drj at winnersunlimited.com. Love to hear from you. Get your thoughts. I do this show to help people out, to give you guidance and direction with things like hopefully with Tony. We helped him out today. That's how I do this show. Have a great week. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week.